And the winner is... This is The Rich Eisen Show. An Emmy-nominated show, and you're damn straight. It is an honor to just be nominated. Live from The Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. But we are definitely going to New York to find out as a team. And the winner is Good Morning Football NFL Network. So yes, it is an honor to be nominated. Earlier on the show, host of Peacock's Pro Football Talk, Mike Florio. Coming up, five-time World Series champion, Paul O'Neill. Plus, Falcons tight end, Kyle Pitts. And now, it's Rich Eisen. Hour number two of the Rich Eisen Show is on the air. 844-204-RICH is the number to dial here on the program. We say hello to our NBC Sports on Peacock audience. If you're tuning in right now, where have you been? Um, same to Sirius XM Channel 85 and the Rich Eisen Show Terrestrial Radio Network Coast to Coast and listening to us on the Odyssey app, our podcast listeners, YouTube.com slash Rich Eisen Show for anything that you may have missed. Um, hour number two is uh, uh, 844-204-RICH. We will take your phone calls. Last time I interviewed this man, I believe, was after game four of the 2000 World Series wow. on the field at Chase Stadium. Ew. When I was covering the uh, affair for um, ESPN Radio. And um, this man was on fire, absolutely on fire in that World Series. And the person in front of me who was interviewing him for ESPN at the time for TV, um, I remember Paul O'Neill instructing this uh, uh, person to, whatever you do, do not mention my stats, because he was on fire in that World Series. I believe he tripled in the game. He had two triples in that World Series. And he said, whatever you do, don't talk about my stats. And the uh, reporter started the interview. Okay, three, two, one. Paul O'Neill went two for four tonight. You're six for the last nine in this World Series. And I remember the look he gave. He just like, he just like, he, he moved his head back sort of like, are you effing kidding me? And then I'm next to interview him. <laughs> Stage was set. And I just loved, I, and I, as you know, I'm a diehard Yankee fan. I just loved, I mean, his, his acquisition to the Yankees, in a way, not only set things up because of, his play and his demeanor in that locker room, but Roberto Kelly went to the Reds and it opened up a position for Bernie Williams to be to this man's right for so many years winning championships. And he's got a new book out to talk about his career called A Swing and a Hit, Nine Innings of What Baseball Taught Me. He is none other than Paul O'Neill. How you doing, Paul? Rich, I'm doing well. I'm just going down memory lane here as I listen to you explain that in Chase Stadium. It was one of the best nights of our lives. <laughs> it was wonderful. <laughs> it was. So uh, I'm not talking about your stats here, Paul, right? Should I not talk about your stats? You're through that part of your career. Don't mention my stats. Yeah, it, it, it's fine now. I mean, you, the stats are where they're going to be. We're not going to add to them at this point, so we don't have to worry about that anymore. Were you superstitious about that sort of stuff when you played, Paul, your stats? Uh, I just... It got the wheels turning too much, uh, and, and especially when you're, you know, you're, the team just won a World Series. Who cares who did what, other than the Yankees beat the Mets, and that was a relief because Mr. Steinbrenner wanted nothing other than to beat the Mets. <laughs> That's true in the World Series. Talk about pressure, and I just remember that too. Is the Mets had already made the World Series um, by winning the NLCS, and then there was a big game against the Mariners in Yankee Stadium that was kind of fraught until. David Justice hit a grand slam that night. I'll never forget that night, and it was just a, it was just amazing. I, I'm wondering what what do you think of when you uh, remember your Yankee years, Paul O'Neill? 
Well, it's, you know, immediately when you're traded from another team, it's kind of an unknown. And, and back then, um, you know, there was no interleague play. I mean, so I didn't know what it was like to be a home player in New York and to be a, uh, a Yankee and live in New York. And it didn't take long. I mean, I walked into the first day of spring training. I sat down, uh, befriended Don Mattingly. We walked out on the field. I saw Mickey Mantle and Whitey Ford and Joe DiMaggio. I was like, <laughs> I have gone somewhere different. Things have changed. It did not take long to realize the tradition and the, just the majesty of uh, being part of the Yankees. And so uh, what was Mattingly? That, by the way, that's, that's, that's my favorite uh, baseball player of all time is uh, Donald Arthur Mattingly, number 23 in your program. What, what, did, what did he teach you? What, did, what, what ropes did he show you when you first got you know to what? the Yankees? I, First of all, just what it was to be a Yankee. Uh, second, I mean, uh, we we worked a lot together in the cage. Um, I had just come from Cincinnati where, you know, they were trying to kind of force me to be a power hitter, and it just was not my natural swing. And, um, you know, Donnie uh, hit home runs and, and hit, uh, you know, a lot of RBIs. But, you know, he wasn't uh, a pull or all or nothing guy either. I mean, he hit in the high 300s at times. So, uh, we just had a lot in common uh, about the way we, we hit. Um, we had a lot in common about the same guys we would face as far as being left-handers in the lineup. And I just had a lot of fun with Don Mattingly. I mean, I grew up in the Midwest. He grew up in the Midwest. Our personalities were a lot the same. And, you know, he um, when I was traded to the Yankees, was the face of the Yankees. I mean, he was the guy going to the All-Star game every year as the New York Yankee. And, uh, you know, when, when, you, when you got there um... – it, it wasn't that time yet. <laughs> what was it like when you got to New York? Because you had a ring already from Cincinnati, Paul. Yeah, we had won. Uh, and then, you know, when you're traded for the Reds, it's kind of like as a player in the back of your mind, you're thinking, you know, I, I didn't do enough or, you know, I kind of let this team, this organization down. And, uh, you know, Gene Michael was was a brilliant guy at putting a team together. And he added a lot of parts and, and said and told me on a, a, a call that night that we're, this team is going to turn around. And they had not won in a while. And uh, it was just the perfect time to go there. You know, we we started winning. Uh, we got Manningly to his first playoff in 1995. And then, you know, all of a sudden that core four, Derek Jeter, Posada, Pettit, and Mariano show up to an already pretty good team and made it a great team. And it's just looking back, uh, it was just the perfect time to be there. It's just like everything they did uh, as far as an organization seemed to be the right call. So, uh, Paul O'Neill here on the Rich Eisen Show, a swing and a hit, nine innings of what baseball taught me, uh, a new book, memoir out here, um, and we'll get to that book in a second. Uh, who, who was the craziest nasty boy in Cincinnati? Which one was the craziest, <laughs> Paul? Which you one can was flip it? a coin on that one, but I, I tell you one thing. That, that When I look back at that, um, <laughs> I, it really changed baseball in my mind because you, you see the way baseball is played now with the bullpens, and that was really – the way that team was set up back in 1990. Uh, I mean, going into the playoffs, you know, you would look for your starter to go to five or six innings, and then Charlton, Dibble, and Myers would come in. But uh, a lot of people don't realize as good as they were, you know, Rob Dibble for a couple years was the best I had ever seen in baseball. I mean, this guy was pinpoint control, wild delivery, threw 100, was, you know, fearless. I mean, those guys were part of something that was uh, was to come and people emulate in, in baseball putting bullpens like that together did uh did 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 lou ever really fight with these guys 
Then what happened? Oh, uh, yeah. What they happened? had a little scrum in, in Dibble's locker one night. I what what happened? What could, I, I, got, I got to get that story, Paul. What Chris Sable told me, come on out here. Lou and Dibble are going at it. So I come out to a referee in a towel and shower shoes. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that happened. That wasn't uh, that wasn't made up. <laughs> <laughs> Who won it? Who won that one? Did Dibble win well, that one? Did... I think when it was all said and done, they were both uh, uh, a little embarrassed at the time. But, you know, I, I think we were pulling – I mean – you got to figure Rob Dibble's in his prime. Lou Pinella is the manager. Uh, you know, we were pulling Dibble off of Pinella. So <laughs> usually who's on top is, is winning fight. Could you imagine if something like that happened today, Paul? What would happen no, in our world? No. Times right. and days. I mean, we were going over things last night about, you know, some of the old stories of Babe Ruth and Ty Cobb, <laughs> you know, fighting fans and screaming stuff <laughs> in the dugout. You know, times have changed. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, Babe Ruth and Ty Cobb would have had a heck of a TikTok page, don't you think, Paul? You know? <laughs> <laughs> no doubt about it. You know, I mean, that's just, uh, I mean, and, and, and you're right, though. Those Reds, to have the guys come out of the pen like that, um, and then uh, w- w- having the arms like that, you're seeing that today, right? Where everybody comes out throwing flames. But then you're also seeing um, uh, somebody like, uh, you saw another advancement of it in front of you with the way the 96 team was put together, right? Where Mendoza would give you an inning and then uh, Stanton might give you an inning and Nelson might give you a couple of batters. And then you go to Mariano. Everyone forgets that Mariano was the setup guy for Wetland in that 96 year and now that's what you're seeing yeah i mean the yankees were one of the first teams i know la Russa was doing a lot of it too with the white Sox and the a's and the lefty righty stuff but you see that back in that day it was a starter had to go five innings and the starter had you could have been cone or key or uh, you know eventually clemens i mean that was the way to win baseball games in a way paul yeah right? especially big games i mean you got into um you know, the World Series and the playoffs and things like that. And, and Joe Torre would go to Mariano for, for you know, numerous innings. He, he, he'd go to him in the eighth and have him pitch two innings. So uh, that's back again. You, you mentioned that you had great matchups with, with Nelson and Mendoza and Stanton being the lefty, where today, you know, the, the rule of facing three batters, it's just it's not nearly as much as matchups as it is just power pitchers out of the bullpens. And, uh, I mean, you're seeing it in every – uh, organization, uh, the elite organizations that have a chance to win, uh, have great bullpens. <sighs> Paul O'Neill here on the Rich Eisen Show. The reason why I'm sighing is, you know, I, I'm just remembering baseball like that, right? I mean, uh, one of the biggest hits I've ever seen in the playoffs was Girardi hitting that triple, right? Against it was against Maddox in '96 in that in that sixth game of the World Series to actually win it. And I just think today that that might have been caught by a fourth outfielder. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I, I'm serious. I, 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 what what do you think of the way the game is played today, Paul O'Neill? You see it every night on Yes. You know there are a, a lot of analytics, obviously, and I, I still am old school to the point where that's the generation I played in. But you know, uh, you, you talk about Joe Girardi's head. I was fortunate enough to be on base and actually felt Yankee Stadium ground shaking when I stepped on home plate. I mean, that those are the, the things you'll never forget. But, uh, you know, I think they are going to address the shift next year. Um, do I think that hitters could learn to hit the other way? Absolutely. Do I think they want to? No, because there's so much into the home run and so much into, you know, the launch angle and the things that, you know, we didn't have to complicate hitting other than, you know, putting your work in, seeing the baseball and hitting it. And, uh, you know, to me, the art of hitting is is seeing adjustments. And, um, you know, you see guys taking three of the biggest swings in, 
every at bat. Well, that's no adjustment. That's just hoping a pitcher makes a mistake. So, uh, you know, there are still great hitters in the game. Don't don't get me wrong. I mean, when you look what Aaron Judge is doing this year, and you look at LeMayu and Trout and guys like you know that know how to hit. Uh, they still put up unbelievable numbers, but there are guys out there that they call, uh, you know, successful hitters that strike out 200 plus times and you know walk 100 times and and hit 190. That that's uh, that you can get away with that now. And in the old days that you know that you were sighing about, I mean, it was an embarrassment to, to strike out, and not so much anymore. Yeah, no question about it. Paul O'Neill here on the Rich Eisen Show. So, what has nine innings of baseball taught you? <laughs> that the game just it never quits changing. No, I I mean it, there's so many parallels to to sports and life and uh, you the ups and downs and you know Jack Curry who I who wrote the book with me uh, you know I really trusted Jack. He was a, a beat writer uh, in mm-hmm. New York when I played and works with me at Yes now doing the game. So uh, when he came to me with this idea a few years ago. Uh, you know, it interested me. Uh, obviously, I'm not going to do a, a, a tell-all book and do anything about players, but the more Jack brought on stories um, and, and, and topics, they became stories and they became faces. And, uh, you know, that's what really what uh, dr- uh, kind of drove me to do this because, uh, you know, a lot of people don't even realize, and, you know, I got called up in 1985. Pete Rose was my manager. Ted Klazuski was my hitting coach. I mean, these names are, are from the past. And then all of a sudden, you know, it, as the book goes on, you're talking about Derek Jeter and Don Mattingly. And, you know, it, it's a progression. And it's, uh, it's just what has happened in my life. And it's, it's my theories. It's, it's not a one-size-fits-all. It, it's just the way I thought about the game and what I thought uh, helped me be the best player. And then what's the through line about uh, being a champion baseball player on a, a champion baseball team? Obviously, you did it once with the Reds, four times with the Yankees. What is the general, I know you said it's not one size fits all, and I'm kind of asking now a follow-up, a one size fits all question, but what is, what is the through line? What it might be the, the similar or the parallels between those five championship teams that were, people are looking for that secret sauce right now in 2022? Well, Paul? I think that, you know, it's, it, I think different teams are wired differently. I, I think we were, uh, wired from day one knowing that, uh, you know, a World Series was, was you know, expected. It, it wasn't just have a good year. I mean, New York has uh, bigger expectations than other cities. But, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, the tradition and the, the, the love of the Yankees, I mean, I still remember to this day, um, you know, the conversations in the delis and things like that were about the game the night before. Uh, you know, it, it matters if the Yankees win or lose. It matters if the Mets win or lose in New York. I mean, that's the way the generations have grown up. And it's not a social event to go to the game in Yankee Stadium. I mean, who wins or loses, that matters. And uh, that always, you know, kind of, uh, you know, pours into the players. I love the intensity of New York. I, I thought it was the most fun place to play baseball. And you talk about the old stadium and, and the ghosts that were there. And you almost start to believe it yourself as a player because so many crazy things happen uh, during that run that, that, you know, we won games we shouldn't have won. And that we had freak plays that uh, uh, we shouldn't have had. And you need great, great breaks. Uh, I don't care how good a team is to, to, to in professional sports to, you know, continually win. You need good things to happen. And, uh, uh, we were very fortunate at that time, and like I said, we, we kind of took it for granted. But now uh, when you look back and you, you see that it hasn't happened um, since, that uh, you know, it was a very special time. 
Well, I mean, there's also another moment in time, Paul, uh, I want to hit on, and I, I know I've kept you for a bit, but I, I just want to have a few more minutes with you here. Paul O'Neill swinging a hit nine innings of what baseball taught me, um, a new memoir out uh, from Paul. Uh, is I'll never forget this because, again, uh, your, your championship years coincided with the years that I was covering uh, the World Series for ESPN Radio all those years ago when I had hair. Um, but I'm also a native New Yorker from born in Brooklyn, raised in Staten Island. I'll never, ever forget game three of the 2001 World Series when um, the series moves back to New York. And it was, you know, in the aftermath of 9-11 and the president was throwing out the first pitch and George Bush was there. And I just remember being on the field beforehand and seeing helicopters everywhere and snipers on the roof. And it was it was it was a fraught night for just covering it. What was it like playing in that game, Paul? You know what? I look back at that time, and you know that's the one World Series that uh, I don't think about the outcome. I think about those three those three games and uh, what was happening in the world. And as a player, you think that you know what does baseball really mean to somebody that's you know just lost a loved one or something like that. But you saw what it meant. I mean, it, it brought joy to some people at a time and. Uh, those three games, um, uh, obviously, historically, just the way they ended and the excitement and the part of it, 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 it was uh, unbelievable. I, I remember running sprints before the game, and Scott Brocious and I kind of just stopped and watched President Bush throw a strike in there. And, and just we were so, like, relieved once he was off the field because hmm. it was like, you, we don't know what's happening in the world now. And, uh, you know, those nights were, were very strange. And, uh you know, we've gone through something recently with the pandemic the past couple of years. So it's, uh, you know, things go through sports, but, you know, I'll never forget um, that time in New York and, and, and what the people, uh, you know, how they backed the Yankees. And it was just like they needed something to get away from life at that point. And uh, those three games to me uh, were as important to, to New York as they were for us. Well, and then the last one for you, Paul, on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, um, that one time that you were asked to hit two home runs for a sick kid in the hospital. would not that terrible? I mean, an official scorer actually gave me a a triple and an air when Kramer needed two home runs. I mean, come on. You've got to give me a break there. How was that put in front of you, the idea of being on Seinfeld and having that uh, be your role? on that show that time. Well, again, I I mean, these things only happen when you're part of the New York Yankees. I mean, that show obviously as great as it was, you know, bits and pieces were, were around the Yankees. So I was asked to do the show. I didn't really know that much about it. Um, We were out playing the California angels. Um, And then obviously I became a huge fan of the show. when when I saw the episode, uh, I remember getting in the car, going to the studio uh, uh, I met Kramer, who I did the, uh, uh, the the scene with, and he had come up to me and started talking to me, and I was kind of wondering, is this guy in character, or is this the way this guy really acts? <laughs> <laughs> it was him. And, uh, you know, we only shot it a couple times mm-hmm. and uh, jumped back in the car, went back to the hotel, and uh, uh, played the Angels that night. That's what I remember that day. And then months later in the off season. uh uh, watching the episode and how it came about and how it was put together. It's so funny to this day. I mean, you'll see 
couples out and the guy will say, hey, I remember this hit. Or I remember this thing. And his wife might say, hey, I remember the Seinfeld show. So, you know, again, only happens when you're part of the New York Yankees. Man, I got to tell you, I mean, you're much better than Tartable acting, Bernie. I mean, honestly, there are a handful of your teammates that went on. I think you did like you. You literally felt my that was the Paul O'Neill that I knew that I interviewed like two two home runs. Like, what are you crazy? You did a great job, Paul. <laughs> You did a very good job. Well, I appreciate that. It uh, again, uh, those are uh, I see pictures of that every once in a while, and it, it, you know they're just great memories. And basically, that's what you got left from the game, and and how long you were in it. Well, uh, thanks for the time, Paul. Uh, I really appreciate. it. I could literally go on and on and on because uh, you know those times meant a lot to me professionally and also personally when you were winning with the Yankees. And uh, I think you do a great job. UK and Cone together are one of the best listens uh, on television. Uh, my kids and I watch it all the time out here on the West Coast. Um, and and I couldn't be happier for you to get your number retired and be in Monument Park, man. That is huge. Congrats on that in well, advance. Well, I really appreciate it. Obviously, the, the biggest personal honor that uh, has ever been given to me in sports. And the Yankees uh, a couple months ago told me that. So... I know. I, I get a little stage fright knowing that you and your kids are on the couch listening. I'm going to have to uh, shape up a little bit. Huh? Yeah, you know, and, and and Kay said he would put aside a couple of those Yoda bobblehead dolls for me. Um, <laughs> and by the way, I'm not kidding. That's coming up on, uh, on the Yoda bobblehead night. Um, so yeah. make sure you remind him of that next time, okay? I, I, w- I will do that. You have my word. And, and, and look for my call. I'd love to have you back on uh, closer to your number retirement and talk some uh, baseball because the Yanks are killing it right now, and uh, it's, been a, it's been fun to watch. So thanks again. Appreciate it. Rich, have a great day, man. Nice talking to you. You too. There's Paul O'Neill right here on the Rich Eisen Show. Amazing. I, I just was. Did we uh, ever find out who was the official scorer in that game? Uh, f- who, who gave him a triple and, a, triple and an error? And a error. I just I want to tell. I, I want to tell this one story again because um, we we just talked about that 2001 World Series, and I was there the night that Bush threw out that first pitch, and um, and the first night back in in the Bronx, and every single time the four train went by in right field, I I I, I, I held my breath when when O'Neill said that. He and Brocious stopped running in the outfield to watch Bush throw the first pitch, and it was a strike. And he was wearing body armor and everything. Yeah, I mean, I mean, what on a, the roof? I mean, right. honestly, um, it was like Fort Apache, the Bronx, yeah. in the Bronx, and um, and it was frightening. Every single time that four train rumbled by, and for him to say that they were relieved when Bush left the field safely, damn straight, that is exactly the way we all felt. And then the games. Being in the tunnel, okay, being in the tunnel. I've told this story. I'll just tell it again real briefly. I was in the tunnel the night that Jeter hit that home run for Mr. November. I was in the tunnel that night. The walk-off. And we were, the entire media was in, in the old Yankee Stadium. There were two ways to get on the field. Through the tunnel of... uh, uh, Attached to each dugout. That's it. Okay. So the losing team, that would be the tunnel you would have to vacate because that's they have to they have to leave the field mm-hmm. and the umpires and all that. The winning team, you go out that tunnel as the the media because they're out on the field celebrating. Except in in a game that went back and forth in extra innings, we had to run from one tunnel to the other 
based on the fact that, okay, one team's up. We need to line up in that tunnel. Another team's the last at bat could be for the home team. We got to go in their tunnel. And we would run back and forth between each tunnel. How many people would you say? How to be 50. Wow. And it looked like the Benny Hill show. Like, you know, honestly, like you could play yakety sacks because the people who were running were had cameras and boom mics and, and first responders had to go with us. And it was running. You had to go run behind home plate. Oh, no, we, we go in the Diamondback dugout. Nope. Okay. We got to come back here. Approximate distance. Would you say, Rich? Oh, man. Had to be hundreds of feet. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. oh yeah. Go from one dugout to one locker room around the home plate. To the other one? Oh, yeah. So we're lined up in the Yankee dugout, and we don't know what's going on. I have the feed of the radio in my ear, but it went out underneath Yankee Stadium. Yeah. And there was one, I don't know who sat in there, probably a trainer or some. I don't know. There was one little room with a small TV, mm-hmm. this little, little room that was cut into the this walkway that probably – where Babe Ruth kept his smokes or his, or where his, honestly, I kept that thing like, is this where he left his, his bottle of gin or whatever? Uh, honestly, like I don't, this little room probably had its own history to it that I'll, that I would love to have told. Mickey Mantle. And the, oh, this is the old Yankee stadium. Who knows? You know what I'm saying? You have no idea what was going on in that little room, but there was this little TV and either you were lucky to be lined up. Like one time I was in the tunnel I was lined up with it so I could see what was going on. This time, though, I was beyond it. And as the, the – I, I forget who was there for Fox. They had the first position in the line every time because they were the television rights holders. And then I was second for ESPN Radio. We were the radio rights holders. And I think Charlie Steiner was in there, too, because he was the ESPN reporter for Sports Center too. We were all there. And then Jeter hits that home run. And I will never forget, you heard a thunder. Paul O'Neill said that he felt the Yankee Stadium ground shake when he touched home plate on that game-winning hit from Joe Girardi or the go-ahead run for Joe Girardi in Game 6 of the 1996 World Series. You felt the stadium shake, and then somebody screams, Jeter just homered. Wow. Somebody's getting, go, and then people are going to be, go, 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 go. Like, get out there. And I have goosebumps saying it. I get out. I'm one of the first out of the tunnel. And I'll never forget, I looked up because I wanted to see what the crowd looked like. And everyone was in the stands jumping for joy, throwing crap on, you know, throw, it was just like New Year's Eve, throwing stuff out. And I watched Jeter around third. That's how I got out. I got out there before he touched home plate. And I remember looking up because those were the seats. I used to be in in Yank, that old Yankee Stadium when I grew up going in the stadium. You got the, those bleacher seats, not out in the bleachers, but the last five rows of the stadium we would go to and I would watch the stump Merrill Yankees and they were garbage. Holy crap, were they <laughs> awful. And I just remember thinking to myself what that kid would think of that used to sit up there being on the field watching this thing. And of course, That's I would get a hold of myself and be a professional, but I would never... Forget that moment. You know, Mr. November. Because it went on after midnight. Thanks to Byun Young Kim, and he couldn't close some of those games, man, for the Diamondbacks. Brutal. And then, of course, the fact that neither Schilling nor 
Johnson were on the mound and Yankee Stadium kind of helped out because they were the ones who won in games one, two, six, and seven in that World Series. Memory lane. Let's take a break. Come back. Bill Belichick. I mean, he's already in midseason form, postseason form. He's in Belichick form about this thorny issue of who's calling plays in New England. That's coming up. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people, or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just... Find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs costs all in before you purchase so all the guesswork is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for twenty dollars off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed Callaway Rogue Irons. Callaway didn't just create their longest irons ever with the new Rogue ST. What they have done is made their longest irons ever perform at the highest level for every player. There's four different offerings of the Rogue ST irons, all of them using artificial intelligence and high strength 450 steel, the only irons ever to do so. Bottom line is this. There is a Rogue ST iron model for you. The Rogue ST Max is designed for the widest range of players. You get speed, forgiveness, and all-around performance in one stick. If you're a low- to mid-single-digit handicapper, the Rogue ST Pro gives you the hollow body construction, sleek, compact player shape that you might like. Callaway's best game improvement model is the Max OS. The Max OS Lite is their most forgiving high-launch irons for players with slower swing speeds if you need that sort of help. No irons like this out there, folks. Nothing performs like the new Rogue ST irons. Find your Rogue ST irons at callawaygolf.com slash go rogue for you on all that front. Ralph in Richmond, Virginia just called in, so let's take your phone call. What's up, Ralph? Hey, Rich. Thanks for taking the call. Uh, yeah, you've been uh, bringing back some memories of that uh, 01 World Series. I was also at the Jeter game. and That was one of the first two times that I felt the stadium shake, like you said. I was on, it was in right field and second level, and I got scared. I have to admit, I thought the floor was just going to collapse. It was crazy the way the floor was moving. The other time was 
that July 1st game, I believe, in 2004 against the Red Sox when Jeter dove into the uh, sands. That was the other time when that game ended. The, the ground just shook. So, uh, yeah, thanks for bringing back those great memories. And one stop Merrill memory since you mentioned his name. <laughs> yeah. I used to work for a vending company back in, you know, when Stump was the manager. And we had an account with the Yankees. And I was a 20-year-old kid who was, got my boss to get them to agree to let me go into the dugout and then go into the locker room to meet the Yankees. And Stump Merrill ends up having a closed-door meeting that day. Oh. And, I mean, I'm literally standing in front of the door, and someone puts their head out and says, sorry, guys. You know, and, I mean, this is like my dream come true. Don Mattingly, also my favorite player of all time. So they were playing Detroit that day, and I end up, they said, well, we can do you, we can go and meet the Tigers. And I walk into the Detroit locker room, and it was like a meat market in there. It was like Fielder and Incavelia and <laughs> Titleton, and nobody had shirts on. It was like, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> There's a lot of cream and a uh, yeah, little cream and some clear in there, huh? Day, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, oh, uh, yeah, gosh. no, uh, yeah, I'm with you, Rich. I mean, uh, that was, oh, I'm. I think you. I got to be honest with you, Ralph. I, I I think you were kind of screwed from the get go. Either you were going to meet the awful '90 stump Merrill Yankees or a shirtless Mickey Tendleton and Pete Incavilia. Right. There was a lose lose. You, know you weren't going to win. You weren't going to win that day, Ralph. Unfortunately, I just wanted cards to be were stacked. Mattingly, to be honest with you, I bet. I bet. But um, yeah. And then I also the other thing was the Frank Frank Sinatra Jr. singing the uh, New York New York in the uh, 01 series at the stadium when they, when that game was over. Mm. That was the other thing I remember. So. Good to chat with you, man. But anyway, uh, yeah, thank you for taking call the back. call, Rich. Anytime. Great show. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Love Enjoy the guys. rest. Thank you. Right. right back at you. Hopefully you enjoyed the rest of the ride. We got a half, uh, half a show to go here. See, now, <clears throat> I, I wanted to get Ralph out of here before you just – you. You've reached your limit of Yankee hey geography talk 100%. right now. You've reached your limit. You've had it's 100%. like it's it like fine, it's, Paul O'Neill. If you want, that's a moment between the two of you. That's totally great. Great for the show. I, it's fine. You have you have but, Jeter ju- diving into the stands was fake fake Jeter I mean, going overboard, right? Diving, jumping into the stands to make it look dramatic. I mean, you talk about oh, oh my god. Like watch the replay of this. Guy takes 48 steps and then jumps into the first row. Mm-hmm. See, he's got enough. He's had enough of that. And we've and we've got the bloody sock, so I guess we're even. Except that there's a scar on Kurt's leg. Yeah, but Jeter, Jeter, Jeter bled as well. Jeter, what do you think? That was fake blood? It was ketchup? Fell into a you hot think dog. It, you think I mean, it was in ketchup? On. You think that was ketchup? One of the more I remember watching that that game too. That was that sucked. That was what do you think? Do you think do you think Schilling really? No you think Schilling was really bleeding? Yeah, I do. You do deep down, yeah. He has he had surgery. Well, Jeter needed a band aid. You need to be cleaned but, up. Yeah, I mean Jeter got jacked up too. Maybe Let's, we should just have we should just Jeter go back to our own corners. The, <laughs> all right. But what's your I missed it. What's your argument about Jeter? He thought that he was that he, he didn't have in, to dive he, in. He did not have to dive into the bleachers. Did he make the play? Uh, yes, pretty, he did. Yeah, he so he came back and he came so he back. Caught the ball then, right? He said that he didn't he have to. He, he's a, he's thinking that Jeter. So is, he, he dramatized the guy, that. The guy, oh the guy, gosh. the guy who famously had no drama about him. He was actually hold criticized. On, he on, was criticized 
for the lack of drama around him. He was criticized for anything that he ever did when it came out, like he he made you put your your phone somewhere, right? Like he, he gave out gift baskets. Okay, you, but you're saying that like it's criticized a bad thing. that suddenly in the middle of a game, the end of decided. The game. To, okay, in a game to make it look way more decided than to it be was. more dramatic. Why are you, like why are you even like accepting this bait right now? Like, well, of course the uh, wrestling fans gonna like that. Nice. Okay, back to you not talking. All right. Like, just, you haven't said anything all show. Like, just, you know. Yeah, I mean, you're just playing into them right I'm going to watch this clip. Well, you should just be thankful, Chris, that we didn't talk about the present with Paul O'Neill when he was on the program. Again, what's the date? You keep and saying that. You know, and that gets later, 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 later and later, though. Yeah, right? it gets later and later. Eventually, it's going to be August. And then you're right. still going to be like, still, what's the date? Yankees lost four in a row, and the Red Sox are still double digits out. And we still have the oh, biggest we lead in baseball. <laughs> I mean, we've won nine I know. of ten. And the Mets still have the I mean, biggest lead in baseball. And our two best pitchers aren't even playing. Not coming back? Is oh, they're coming back. Come on, please. Telling you, I feel good. All right, Hoskins is now chiming in. He's got a photograph. <laughs> what do you got? You got a photograph of Jeter after the diving catch. Look at that. Ouch. A black eye. And wow. on that beautiful chin of his, <laughs> he had to sell a it. huge band-aid. He had to sell it. Well, Look how it. handsome and perfect he is yeah, anyway. This guy. Hold on. I gotta, I gotta sit Derek Sanderson Jeter, here. Hold on. who went to the University of Michigan before he went to the end. <laughs> well, technically, he didn't even enroll. He stepped foot in there just like Madonna did, did for a little bit. Did he take a class? Cut a cup of coffee. He was like, I'm out. <laughs> I mean, yeah, a cup of coffee. Did he make a trip to the bookstore? Did he pick up some sweatshirts? I mean, Michigan or? and Yankees won all those World uh, Series. Trot Nixon at the point. Trot Nixon. <laughs> great Red Sox. Get out of here. That's a great name. Trot though. Nixon. That's a great name. He catches it in fair territory. But his momentum and takes him out. runs oh, into the stands. Real. It was such crap. This guy. <laughs> this Five guy, everybody. steps and dives into the second row. This guy. <laughs> This guy. What a glory hog. The guy, the guy who might be the least drama queen athlete in the history of New York sports to win as many times. Think. Oh, okay. That's what he made you think. You guys are so seduced by the aura of Jeter. Oh, jeez. I feel like Dan. This guy. This it's, guy. It's this guy, over there, this guy still tears up over Dave Roberts. This guy. <laughs> Honestly. Couldn't throw him out. That's true. The whole world knew he was going. That's true. That's true. One of the few times you could get those teams. That's it. Good enough. I mean, got you four times in a row. Oh, well, I mean, that's <laughs> happened. That did, that did happen. That did happen. As in. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back. Oh, this is great stuff. Belichick in mid-season form. Can't wait to talk about that. 844-204-RICH, number to doll. Kyle Pitts of the Atlanta Falcons, still a call as well. Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the sleep number smart bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Quiets your snores or your partner's? Sleep Number does that. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The Sleep Number sleep that you get is unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% 
on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's that time of year, people. Spring has sprung, and that means spring cleaning, or at least... The partner in your life is demanding that you do it. Whether that means stocking up on cleaning supplies or swapping out your winter clothes for new spring clothes, make sure you're using Ibotta and get real cash back with every purchase. Ibotta is a free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop on hundreds of items from groceries to beauty supplies to toys. The average Ibotta user earns $256 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip, that flight you've been eyeing, or the fancy dinner you've been craving. Join the over 50 million users and earn cash back every time you shop from over 2,700 brands and retailers. And right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 for just trying Ibotta by using the code Eisen when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app to start earning cash back and use my code E-I-S-E-N. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use my code Eisen. Back here on our uh, terrestrial radio outfit, one big happy family. Nomar. Didn't you once accost Nomar on a plane because you have the same, you have the same, you have the same birthday. (laughs) You want to talk about, hey, I was born July 23rd. You were born July 23rd, which has got to be one of the least enticing openings for any celebrity to have. A stranger walkthrough. Like, again, I'm... I, it wasn't I, I, great. I, not, my, not one of my finer moments. Where, like, you have to lead with, hey, you know, we have the same birthday. That so, would work oh, with so me. I should talk to you now? No, so here's what happened. Here's what happened. We were coming back from um, the Hall of Fame weekend in Canton, and I flew out of Pittsburgh... It's a birthday. There was uh, there was direct flight back to L.A. Yeah, you drove from Ohio. Well, I drove from I drove like an hour and a half or whatever it was. Yeah, straight shot. From Canton to Pittsburgh. Yeah. And we were on a super early flight. I don't know, it was like 7.30, something like that. So I kind of drove overnight. I may have stopped at the casino in Pittsburgh for a few hours and then made my way to the airport. Now, the Dodgers happened to be in Pittsburgh for a series, yes. and they, were, they had just wrapped up. So we're kind of sitting at the gate, and there's Nomar sitting at the waiting with the rest of us, talking to, I assume, as his producer, because Nomar was doing the local Dodgers broadcast. Love Nomar. We have the same birthday. Obviously, <laughs> great Red Sox player. You know, the best shortstop of that era. Statistically, Ugh. if you want to look at the numbers, it's not even close. It's absurd Nomar to even hit, say it. Nomar hit 370 one year, so it's uh, okay, fine. Right. So, one year is the phrase. Uh, we can look pays. at his career numbers with Boston. It's fine. It's much better than Jeter's. That's didn't absurd. Get, didn't translate to championships, but statistically, it's not close. Now, now, anyway, now there's a different orifice from which you're, you're con- telling the story. I, mean, I can tweet out the numbers. Okay, sure. So we're just sitting there, and I'm just like, kind of like geeking out. I'm like, oh, man, Nomar, do I go talk to him? I mean, it's super early. That's a little awkward. Uh, he's with someone. I don't want to like interrupt their conversation. So we get on the plane, and he's sitting like two rows in front of me, and we're both kind of putting our check ba- our, our carry ons into the overhead at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I just bore out, "Hey, Nomar, we have the same birthday. Huge fan." <laughs> he just kind of looks at me, and it was probably maybe two weeks after, because the Hall of Fame is always early August. Yes. And it's two weeks after. Shout out seven two three club TJ also a member, and uh, we're just like he's just like, cool. Well, 
happy belated. <laughs> and then that was the end of it. Great. And then word got back That's to great. you. And oh, then yeah, you, because I made fun of you. Like, what, what an opening to do and that. And then you booked Nom- Nomar, came on the show. Yes, it was, he couldn't have been nicer. It, yeah, it was uh, not a great moment for me. Couldn't have been nicer. It was great. Of course, you is not a great moment for you, so I booked him to come on the show and just came over the and top. And come over the top. That's what we do hammer. here on the Rich Eisen yeah. Show. That's how we're Emmy nominated. Yeah. Um, so, you know, <clears throat> I just remember when you tell the story about Nomar and use it to slag on Jeter, um, I remember the 2000 All-Star game in Atlanta mm-hmm. that I covered for ESPN. I mean, I spent seven years covering baseball for yeah. the Worldwide Leader in Sports and did it for SportsCenter and and ESPN Radio, and so on and so forth. Um, I did the pregame interview, um, sitting there in a lime green jacket. Oh. Ugh, I don't know how it was, but it was, it was new. I had it. I was very happy about it. It was like ninety million degrees out. Where's but I got to interview. I got to interview the three American League All Star shortstops at the same time because they were viewed as generationally talented and all Hall of Fame worthy at the time on a path to the Hall of Fame in 2000. Nomar, Alex Rodriguez in his final year at the Seattle Mariners, and uh, Derek Jeter. Tejada was also kind of in that. Yeah, for the A's, sure. Great shortstop. Right, but um, in retrospect, though, when we look back, you could easily say Jeter could look at both of those guys and say, man. What are they doing here? What are they doing here? What do you mean? What do you mean? What do I mean? What are they doing here? I mean, A-Rod is arguably the greatest shortstop ever. Yeah, okay. I'll argue that question. I'll argue it. Statistically or just winning? All of it. Every last one of it. That's totally not true. Every last one of it. (laughs) Whose career would you rather have? How about let's play that one? I'd rather have A-Rod. Is that right? You really would. I think so. Take all your biases and place it aside. What do you mean? I, I hate. I don't, yeah, he's I don't not like an A Rod fan. No, so no, no. His hatred, his hatred or dislike for A Rod will overshadow his ability to be honest about Derek Jeter. <laughs> I don't know about that one. I don't hate. Whose career Jeter was would you, on my team? I'd love him too. Whose career? Well, I mean, you, I just think you, he's, he's, a little, techni- he's a little overrated te- as a player. Jeter's technically on your team, Chris, because Xander Bogarts wears number two for a reason. I mean, so, I mean, come on. Okay. Dude. No, no, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying that this guy, like, there is. Will you admit that Jeter is kind of overrated no. historically? I, 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 I don't understand. <laughs> Terrible fielder. The, no, he's, that's and, insane. And he, that's he, insane. He, he amassed, because he played forever. Did he come up big in big moments? Absolutely. One of the best big game players in any sport ever. Well, shouldn't, like, that, shouldn't that be all that matters, though? Like no, when, no, 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 no. When the money's no, no, no. on the no, line it, 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 and you well, come Robert up. Ori's like the greatest player uh, ever. I, I, dapped up, I dapped up Emmy Award nominee as he was leaving a little bit early because he had the ability to, and we had to stick around and wait for our, our, our categories to be announced. Uh, Julian Edelman as he was leaving. Oh, yeah, we saw him. We I mean, Julian, Edelman is, Julian Edelman is one of the, the greatest postseason performers in NFL history. Absolutely. You know, he's an MVP of the Super Bowl for a reason. Second all time. The Boston knee party. I mean, the the Butler interception would have meant Bupkis if Julian Edelman didn't have the game game that he had. 
Oh, yeah, but I'm not saying okay. as who's the greatest. I'm saying if you're saying someone, all they Dude. do is come up big in big moments, then that should that should be your argument. That's it. Like, well, I know, but you could have come up big in big moments if you only play eight years. Multiple World yeah, but Series. You, we're talking about a 20-year career. Be kidding. I mean, he had the longevity, the end of Jeter's career was an embarrassment. No, it wasn't. Rich, I mean, he had 3,000 hits. Didn't he hit a home run in his, his 3,000 hit was yeah, a home run? Yeah, his game-winning hit, he had, his 3,000 hit was a home run. He had the game-winning RBI did. in his last game. Yeah. Walking yeah. off. I mean, he was as special as they come. Uh, this is a terrible fielder. He won five gold gloves. <laughs> gold glove is not a testament to how good you are at fielding. Come on, guys. It's what not, are you talking about? What do you it's mean? the award for it. Is it just like, oh, hold on. The gold glove is like the sports Emmy. If you if wink wink you know what I mean. No, I don't. I really don't agree. What do you, with no, that. I honestly don't know what you mean. I mean, it's all who you know. It's a popularity contest. Gold glove. Come on. The person with the highest fielding percentage does not win the gold glove. Okay, I'm not. I, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I, 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 I will go to. Okay, my, let's go back to the real question. I, will, I would rather have a Rod's career. No, I will take the other way then. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? There's nobody questioning Jeter's abilities based on whether it was him or not. Okay, Ever. Great. Jeter can't, I mean, Jeter's not a great, he's beloved. Not a great front Yankee office Yankee fans guy. don't even, Yankee ask, fans. Ask Marlins fans how they feel about Derek I'll Jeter. I'll be honest. nothing to do with his playing career. Though. We're not talking about that. We're talking you, about his You just said whose career would you rather have, not whose life would you rather have. Alex, by the way, I say this, Alex Rodriguez donated to Run Rich Run this year. So, obviously, I would have a bias towards him. I'm just saying a career. I'm saying <laughs> Yankee fans do not view that World Series that Alex Rodriguez was so terrific in bringing against the Phillies as anything remotely close to the World Series that Jeter was part of. But that's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about you're talking about whose career would you, you rather have? Me whose like career I would okay. rather have right now and I I, I mean I kind of rather have A-Rods. Hour number 3, we've got a full hour left on this program. I owns a basketball team. Uh, Derek Jeter, uh, look, man, you can take yours. I'll take mine. And I never, I never will understand the Jeter hate. I just won't. I just can't. I will never countenance it. I don't understand it. Yeah, but you're, you're taking a hate of a guy who, understandably, that's a, that's a Red Sox fan. So, of course, it's like I'm going like to dislike a Celtic. I'm gonna, yeah, like you're, that's the wrong person to ask because his is coming from a rivalry. Like, if he wasn't a Red Sox fan, he probably wouldn't. I mind. also don't like A-Rod. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? so, I can't say Derek Jeter hate. Like, most people, I think, tend to like Jer- Derek Jeter. Or at least I thought they did his whole career. He's pretty likable. He's just, you know, overrated in the terms he, of baseball history. A 310 career average. 310. Okay. By the way, half of the... Do you just you know what the league's batting average is right now? The average oh, batting average. In the, it's, two, it's in the 230s. Oh, there's so many guys hitting 200, and it, it's not an embarrassment anymore for them. That's what Paul O'Neill was saying. By the way, Nomar's career average is 313. Okay, that's great. <laughs> That's great, man. 20 years in the league. Two-time batting. Nomar got hurt. Mm-mm-mm. He, was a, he finished second in the MVP voting with a gold glove, by the way, um, in 2006 at age 32 after the Yankees won all those World Series. Second in the MVP voting. Who was number one that year? Who won it? 
Did we click on that? Justin Morneau, Justin everyone. Morneau. Okay, okay. In front of David Ortiz. Wow, Ortiz got robbed that year. Yeah, Ortiz hit 54 <laughs> yeah. home runs that year. That was- 137 runs bad in, and he walked 119 times. 119 times, we were like, yeah, we're not pitching yeah, to we're you. we're not doing that. <laughs> Justin Morneau, <laughs> man. Justin Morneau wins. Were the Come Twins good that year? on. I mean, Who cares? New York bias. My ass. Ortiz had a 5'8". Justin Morneau. What did he hit that year, at least? Let me just at least put my head on the pillow tonight. 321. Yeah, I mean, he had a really good year. He did 34, 130. 130 and yeah, yeah. 321. I mean, that's really good. They must have been good that year. Where they? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's the only thing I'm accepting. I mean, can't always be perfect if you're Derek Jeter. Everything else is pretty damn close. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> Who didn't vote? This guy is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Brock, either. That's absurd. Give me a break. It was Brockman. He had a vote. 